Fit and Theater of the Words presents The Reprehensibles, The Fight for Earth's Future. Episode 16, Wilson becomes a part of Neville's strike force. By early the next morning on the lunar surface, all new employees had been safely transported to the departure hangar and were sleeping in their new quarters. For Terence Wilson, the sleep had not been so gentle. He and Neville were in a large tube-like corridor and encircling walls and a ceiling that was even more spectacular. It was composed of pentagon orange nodules boarded in black. There were thousands of them filling the corridor with the strange light. Wilson turned in the opposite direction, but the corridor ended abruptly in a mass of nodules. Pay no mind, Wilson. We have far more important things to discuss this morning. That's why I brought you down here, said Neville as he walked ahead. Well, where are we? Suffice to say, this is a restricted area. When you are fully informed of this operation this morning, then we will tell you where you are and how we got here. They walked another few meters toward a set of shiny doors embedded in the nodules on either side of the corridor. Is that where we're going? asked the astonished Wilson. No, these are the suites used for detention purposes. Down there, he pointed, at the end. That's where we're going, Wilson. They continued to the end of the passageway and it squared Zambian wall and a long blue door. Wilson was still perplexed as to their location and the purpose of this operation. Computer, open the doors, ordered Neville. Inside was a small room with another set of sliding doors. Computer, 7625-0907202. Remember that, Wilson, he said as the doors opened to a large inner office with a bright orange carpet and oak-paneled walls. They walked through and the doors sealed tightly. Seated in front of a long window with the blinds drawn was Alma Duval. He rose when he saw them come inside. Good morning, Elmer, said Neville confidently. Good morning, good morning, answered Duval. And, Terence, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing just fine, Elmer. I thought you were under suspicion for murder. Put that out of your mind, Wilson. Elmer is only guilty of running from my father's office and nothing more. You will keep his presence here in total confidence. Well, Wilson said Neville as he opened the blinds. Not bad, eh? Wilson, mystified and dumbfounded, walked toward the window. Apparently Duval's office was high above and in the center of a side wall of a mammoth assembly plant. There were rows and rows of production lines beginning at the far right. Here, the rough shells of spacecrafts traveled down the line and were fitted with components, ending their journeys in the form of offensively equipped ships at the other end. How did you accomplish all this? asked Wilson. Years of planning, right, Elmer? To say the least, answered Duval. How long does it take to build one of these ships? I'll say without boasting, Wilson, we can put one through in a day. I don't understand. I see people on that assembly line and, and computers. Why not have the computers do it all? Purpose, purpose, Wilson, said Neville. We believe that people should have purpose, so we've established an overall program within the area. For instance, most people on Earth are overseers of what the computers, and yet the computers make all the decisions. People on Earth have no real control. 
I grant you this is a very monotonous work, but, but they only work in four-hour shifts. For the remaining time, they receive instruction on their choosing, of course, which gives them a sense of perspective to their lives. Without perspective, they do not live at all. They merely exist like animals. We do not try and influence them too much unless... Unless... asked Wilson... Unless they rebel. Rebelling against what is best for them is not tolerated. What do you mean, rebel? Against what is best for them. Very simple. Oh, said Wilson, who seemed far more interested in the trappings of power within the restricted area. Can I see one of those spacecrafts? Exactly what we're here for, Wilson, said Neville. Computer, send in Mr. Klein. Mr. Klein will show you anything you wish to see here. When you're finished with the tour, you'll go back to Mr. Duval's office, and we can brief you on our plans to neutralize all Earth resistance. You're really going to invade the Earth? Not in the conventional sense. We have and are trying other means first. Actual use of spacecraft is the last item on the priority list at the present time. For use only if the other plans fail, said Neville as the balding Klein opened a side door and came in the office. Mr. Klein, this is Terence Wilson. You have your instructions, said Duval. Of course, Mr. Wilson, if you will come with me into the plant. He led Wilson through the side doorway and they stepped onto an open winding staircase leading directly into the assembly complex below. Neville turned to Duval once they had left. Send in Commander Vashon. Duval walked to the doors and to his left opened them without the aid of a computer. In a few moments, a scar-faced man with his head shaven and a full Manchu mustache walked through the doorway. His face was serious and he was dressed in the same red suit which the intruders had worn at the food production plant. Neville studied the long scar down his left cheek. With a slight tinge of fear, Neville studied the long scar down his left cheek. My leader said Vashon as he stood in front of Neville. Vashon, as I have told you time and time again, call me Neville or Mr. Constantine. This leader business upsets me. As you wish, Mr. Constantine, he said as Duval drew the blinds. Sound screens, ordered Neville. Gentlemen, please sit down. We are at a point in our long progress of arming the lunar aggregate at the end of the day, we will reach a par with the exact number of Earth vessels available for combat, or those that could be equipped should we attack. But not much more power, insinuated Vashon. Exactly, we've equaled their power over two months ago. I'm totally confident as things stand now that we can bring Earth to its knees in a matter of hours. But, and this is important, they could hold out. If that occurs, we have to set examples, and that would mean added killing Vashon. To me, death would be an improvement over their lifestyles on Earth, but I am not without compassion. It's the improvement of those lifestyles I want, of course, not death. And the only way that we're going to change those lifestyles is to have a total and unequivocal surrender to Luna Aggregate. I think we'll accomplish that goal, he said as he looked at the doubting Duval. Alma, what's the matter? You're forgetting one important thing, said Duval. Resistance may be more than you think. The destruction may be so great that your goals may not be worth it. That is why we will begin withholding food supplies. 
With what is taking place with our sabotage, they're already dependent on us for 32% of their food. A total or even diminished embargo will bring them to our terms very quickly. Now let us discuss all aspects when Wilson returns, and when he is fully aware, we will tell him about the bottom line. Right now, Vashon, I want to see the simulated attack on all lunar and Earth orbits, said Neville as the meeting continued behind the closed blinds. Below, Klein and Wilson had finished the long climb down the steel staircase. Klein walked briskly, bringing Wilson to the far end of the plant next to the assembly. I can bring you downstairs to the furnaces where the shells are made, Mr. Wilson. It's hot, dingy, No, no, this place is fine, said Wilson. Very well. Right this way, said Klein, as he brought him toward a cart similar to the ones used by the militiamen on Earth. They climbed inside and Klein moved ahead slowly. This is the part of the line where the outside shell is secured with the first phase of components. Klein brought him along the entire span of the assembly line, stopping at the significant points and explaining the procedures involved. It was when they came to the end of the lines that the spacecraft was beginning to take shape. This is the bubble phase. Bubble? Right, a heat-resistant transparent dome of Zambian, molded into the main body of the craft. The next station will see the workers awaiting the ship to install your internal systems. Now these systems have been assembled on the fourth line and now only have to be installed, said Klein as the cart moved along, passing a blonde-haired man hard at work on the line. What's down there? asked Wilson as he pointed toward the end of the line. The weapon systems, manufactured on the third line, they're installed at the final station. They're conventional blasters with a destructive power that can level 100 square meters in a single blast. Can I get one of those things? asked Wilson. If you wish, he said as he turned the cart around. I'll bring you to the hangar. How's this place gone unnoticed? Where are we, Mr. Klein? I cannot answer that question because I do not know. They will tell us when you return, he said as he steered the car to his left and up a wide ramp. Computer, open the doors. The doors, maybe 20 meters high, were directly across the plant from Duval's office. They opened to the inside and Klein drove the car into a room that was larger than the giant assembly plant. On the walls were five levels were filled with the completed spacecraft. In the center of the floor was a white basin like a ramp, exactly like the one used by the Luna Aggregate cargo transporters. It led to the distant end of the hangar and to more orange light. Around the ramp were scattered spacecrafts which had not yet been brought to the higher levels. I take it they use the same propulsion systems as the cargo transport, asked Wilson. Right. Which is? We'll have to discuss that with Mr. Turcrot, said Klein as he slowed the car next to one of the crafts. It was a frightening construction resembling an image of a flying saucer, a tapering disc maybe seven meters in diameter with a bubble top. It sat atop a snub-nosed pedestal and was inscribed with the Luna Aggregate logo. Klein got out of the cart and ducked under the craft. He pushed the appropriate sensors and a panel slid open to the cabin above. You may crawl inside, Wilson, said Klein as he emerged from underneath the disc. The propulsion units have not been activated, so don't worry about that. Why not? asked Wilson as he ducked under the ship. Because the ship is a simulator. Wilson pulled himself under the shiny black floor with a high-back red chair. 
you got into the chair, which by computer instruction could be angled or situated anywhere in the craft. The panels were surrounded by the base of the dome, mostly for the benefit of the pilot, as the computer could virtually run the ship's attack. However, there were manual steering controls, and manual blaster operations were located under the ship's screen. The thousands of individual readouts provided a vivid light show as Wilson prepared to have some fun in the simulator. Hey, Klein, are these blasters on? The simulator is not operational at the moment. We should be going back to the office now, said Klein as he waited impatiently. Wilson pulled out the manual steering control as if he were actually piloting the ship, pushing the blaster senses time and time again. Bam! Five Earth ships knocked out. Pretty fancy shooting. Klein did not look impressed. He nervously shifted his weight from one leg to the other as Wilson continued his little war game. Pilot to lunar surface. All five vessels destroyed. Going in to personally win this planet myself. Veering to the right. Surrender, you fool. <laughs> it was all a far-removed game to him, and he was oblivious to what it really meant to extinguish life from its fragile consciousness. Mr. Wilson, Mr. Wilson, yelled Klein. Wilson looked up through the bubble with a large smile on his face. Come on, Klein, I'm winning the Earth. We really should be leaving. They're expecting us. Oh, yeah, sure, said Wilson as he stood up and lowered himself from the spacecraft. This thing is great. I'll have to ask Neville if I could fly one myself. Klein did not answer as he closed the hatch and hurried back to the cart. He moved it back to the office. Wilson pointed ahead. To the office, Klein, <laughs> he said as he laughed. Several minutes later, Neville opened the door to the staircase and the jubilant Wilson rushed through the doorway. That spacecraft is phenomenal. You're a little late, Wilson. Try to correct that in the future. But you said, never mind what I said, your attitude is revolting. We have serious business to discuss. Forget about that spacecraft. We've brought you here to a higher level of power for two reasons. You have incredible expertise to get things done, to prompt people into action. Secondly, we want you to use your experience with the food disc to Luna Aggregate's advantage. Elmer, what he's saying, Randy, is we're going to create a food shortage on Earth. And you want me to close down the discs, asked Wilson. Hardly, answered Duval. In fact, we want production boosted 5%. We have the added workers here now and are reasonably sure you can motivate and coordinate their efforts. Let me get this straight. You want a shortage, yet you increase production. Neville took over the conversation. Wilson, you leave the shortage to us. If Earth has any questions, you can show them the facts. In a few weeks, we'll brief you on the overall picture. You see, if we take over the Earth by creating this shortage, then we will have saved a ruthless military adventure. But if we need to attack, we will, and with full fury. This plan and our plans is totally classified, Wilson, and will not be discussed with anyone. Commander Vashon, tell Wilson what will happen if any of this leaks out. Smiling broadly, the mighty Vashon arose and brandished a long-bladed knife from his red suit. He placed the cold metal against the brown skin on Wilson's neck as Wilson shivered. I will personally cut out blocks of flesh for your body. Your death will be excruciating and slow. No need to fear, Wilson. 
smiled Neville, as he was amused by the charade. If you keep your silence, you'll find things most pleasant for the rest of your life. Now, Elmer, show Wilson the bottom line. Wilson rose like a robot under the command, and Duval led him out of the office into the corridor. Vashon walked over to Neville when they had left. We shouldn't waste our time with foolish threats. I say we attack the Earth now, while they are all off guard. Then we will have what is ours. In good time, Commander, in good time. Join us next week for another exciting episode of The Reprehensibles, The Fight for Earth's Future by Robert P. Fitton, presented by Fitton Theatre of the Word.